Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. You should be in Matthew, uh, but our refill series coming up right around the corner, starting September 8th. Invite somebody, use those cards, bring them. It's going to be fantastic. Today I want to talk to you uh, real briefly on a subject I think that all of us, um, to a certain degree, think about. And uh, one of those things is this. It's this thing called greatness. Greatness. I think all of us at some point in our life think about being great at something. I know when I was growing up, I wanted to be a great basketball player. And obviously, there's probably different levels of what that great looked like. You know, if I could make the junior varsity team, come on, that would be great as a, as a freshman, right, rather than the freshman squad. And so I had a goal for myself. I want to make the JV team. And guess what? I didn't, Okay. And so I kind of felt, I didn't, I know, I was uncoordinated, right? I was like 6'4 as a freshman, come on somebody. It took me a while to just, you know, grow into my body. And so I was super uncoordinated as a freshman, and I, and I didn't make the JV team. And I was devastated, why? Because my idea of greatness would be if I could make the JV team as a freshman, that would be awesome. And so I was so devastated that I was, I was probably a mediocre freshman basketball player. But that summer, man, come on somebody, I took step aerobics, come on now. Because I wanted to help myself grow into my body, and so it's a true story. So I did, you know, you know what I'm talking about, to have the little platform thing, you know? And I was, I, has anybody ever done that before, right? Okay, good. You're with me. You feel me. And so that was my deal, man. I worked on my, my, my coordination and stuff, and the next year, man, I was like, I'm going to start varsity. But I improved so, I mean, JV, I improved so much that they started me on the varsity team. Come on, somebody. And so, like, thank you. All right. And so that to me, that was great. I'm sure all of us have some idea of what greatness looks like for us, whether it's I want to be great at business, I want to be great as a father, I want to be great as a husband, I want to be great in ministry, I want to be great in something. All of us, I believe, at some point in our life desire to be great. As a matter of fact, if you go to Google right now, and I did this in preparation for my message because, come on, Google has everything, right? And so I went to Google and I said, how do I become great? Enter. Okay? And uh, you always got to be careful with Google because you never know what's going to pop up. But things like this popped up. Things like 10 steps to be great. And I was like, that's all it takes is 10 things. Come on, somebody. I jotted those things down, did them, come on, and I feel great. Okay? There was one of them that said this, how to become great in 24 hours or less. How many of you guys want that recipe right there? The 24, just give me the 24-hour model. I want to be great by tomorrow morning when I wake up, right? And like some of them, you can just find all sorts of things, three steps to greatness. And as I was reading through it, it's not like any of it was bad. I mean, it had some great content, um, but all of it lacked the model that Jesus has laid out for us for greatness. And so I want to read to you today out of Matthew chapter 20 on what it looks like to be great in God's kingdom. What is, what is Jesus's idea of greatness? What does Jesus say about, hey, if you want to be great, here's, here's what you need to do. I want to look at that today um, because I've realized this, that if we have the wrong definition of what it means to be great, uh, we are going to frustrate ourselves. Uh, we're always going to be chasing after something. And now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with meeting those goals. But once you meet those goals, how many know that you're going to set some more goals for yourself, right? And if you don't have the right definition, if you don't have the definition that Jesus has, uh, you're going to be frustrated because you're always going to be chasing after something, trying to impress somebody, trying to have something more, trying to uh, achieve something greater. So let's look today, if you would, in Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at the definition that Jesus lays out for greatness. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 20. 
And it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom, because that would be great, right? I mean, to sit next to Jesus, one on the right, one on the left, as he's sitting on his throne, that would be, that would be true greatness. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup. In other words, you're going to be crucified too. But to sit at my right hand and to sit at my left hand, is, it's, it's not mine to grant you, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant, and the two brothers, at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, this is all of them now, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their ones exercise great authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Anyone that's in my kingdom, it's going to look different. But whoever be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to be great? Here's God's recipe. Be the servant. You want to be the best of servants? Then become a slave. In other words, you want to be great? Serve. You want to be really great? Become a slave. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is just awesome. And I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would teach us uh, from your word uh, through me. And through my voice that I could communicate the heart of what you want to do today. And that we'd be challenged and uh, we would be stretched in our faith and uh, we would never be the same. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Uh, we desire, I believe it. Now, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I, I know just from talking to people and meeting with people, uh, maybe it's a business person, and they're talking about their business. I have never encountered a businessman that says, you know what, I have this mediocre business plan, and I just want to be a mediocre businessman, right? I, I meet them, and they're like, man, I have this great business plan, this great business model, and I want to get it out there because I think this is a great product, and, 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 and it's going to be really, really great, Okay? I've never met, you know, I coach, I've coached basketball and some different things. I've actually played at the college level, and I've never met someone walking on the court that says, you know what, today I just want to do mediocre. I just want to, I want to, I want to be like the mediocre player today. What do they do? I want to go out and I want to play great today. I want to, I want to do something. I, when I talk to students, I was a youth pastor for some 12 years, and when I talk to students, now, bear with me here, at least the ones that I met with that were serious about life, um, I never met too many of them. They're like, you know what? If I could just get a D in all my classes. No, they always want to improve. They want to become great. They want to do something great with their life. Now, now there's different levels of maybe what great looks like individually for each of us. But Jesus here encounters some people that want to be great. And they happen to be his disciples. Okay? And two of them now are having like a conversation with their, their mom. I love the way Luke puts it because here's something we got to understand. I, sometimes when I read the Bible, I read the Bible and I, and I think like every moment in it is a holy moment, right? 
Like everything in it is just like awesome and it's, and it's holy and like, like these are good people and, and like, you know, and they're going to just paint some lessons for us and, it's, and it was probably really neat and laid out and God just orchestrated it and birds were chirping and butterflies were flying and creeks were roaring. Are you with me, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like when I read the Bible, that's what I think, but if we look behind the scene, if we were to pull things back here for a moment and look at this story, what's taking place are there are two of the disciples, two brothers that are like, you know what, I want to be better than these dudes over here. I want to be like really, really, like I've seen them and they're okay, but you and I, I think we got something going on and we can be way better than them. As a matter of fact, I've been observing them, and I've been observing us, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Jesus to go ahead and give us thrones right next to his when we get to heaven. As a matter of fact, I mean, they've done some cool stuff, but it, it's not as great as what we've done. This is the conversation that's taking place. And Luke, Luke actually paints it that there's an argument that breaks out between these two brothers and the rest of the disciples. This is the holy moment ah, unveiling before us. There is an argument amongst people because somebody wants to be great. Mom gets involved and she agrees with the two sons. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And she looks at it and she's like, you know what, sons, I think you got something here. Those dudes, they're all right, but you, you're my boys, right? And so she actually goes to Jesus for them. Now, now listen to me, these are grown men. Mm -hmm. Mama's boys, clearly, right? Mom goes and says, Jesus, can you do this for? And other disciples, literally, if I could, if I could change the wording around, let me just paraphrase it. They're ticked off. They're upset. Because, not probably just because they have the attitude that they're great, but they're probably thinking in their minds, I'm way better than they are. So greatness isn't just something that, that we desire today in something, but this was something that people were striving for back then. And Jesus takes this moment to say, you know what, I'm just going to put this out there for, the, for everybody else till the end of time. If you want to be great, this is what greatness looks like. Now, I know when you look at the rest of the world, it doesn't look that way. You know, it's, it's, everybody's trying to one-up each other, kind of like you guys are doing now. Everybody's trying to get ahead and get more and be successful in this and be successful in that. But let me just lay it out for you. If you want to be great in my kingdom, here's, here's what you got to do. First, you got to be a servant. Oh. And then if you want to be the, 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 like the top, the very best, you've got to become a slave. Oh. Now, I wish the story continued on and began to paint, like, the picture of what happened after that, but it doesn't. Jesus just goes on and, like, does a bunch of miracles. <laughs> True. Read on. It's just like, you know, I'm going to, you know, open some blind eyes right now. That's what happens. Verse 29. Read it. But Jesus lays out for us here the recipe, the idea of what success looks like or what greatness looks like. And as I was here serving yesterday, and, and there was a handful of people here, um, I, I couldn't help but look around and, and think, man, it'd be so, much, so, so great to have more people here. And we put in, if we, we took everybody and added up, well, we put 120, let me think, yep, 120 hours in yesterday. Man hours. That's awesome. But I thought, man, well, man if we could add more and I realized something. I realized that our culture 
doesn't really understand the idea of serving. It really doesn't. I mean, most restaurants you go to today, I mean, I remember back in the day, because I used to be a waiter, it was, like, it was like my job to actually wait on you. And like serve you and like, can I get you anything else? I mean, every time I go to a restaurant now, it's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like customer service does not exist today. And then when you finally get their attention, they're like, yes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then they do the mandatory gratuity thing. I'm like, uh-uh. Scratch that out. It's like people don't know what it is to serve anymore. Customer service is just kind of gone. And here's the tragic part of that. I feel like sometimes that bleeds into the church a little bit. We know what it is to show up to church and to get our worship on. Come on, somebody. We know what it is to show up to church and come on, pastor, give me a good message today. By the way, come on, didn't our staff do good with the Colossians series? They did amazing. It is so good. And so we know what it is to show up and come on, give me, give me a message But do we know what it is to be great in the kingdom of God? Jesus says this, if you want to be great, he doesn't say go to church a whole lot. He doesn't say, you know, what does he say? He says, here's what you got to go. You're going to serve. You're going to serve. Let's look at this real quickly, can we? Being great in the kingdom, it's much different than in the world. Greatness, what does it look like? To the world, it looks like this. It looks like notoriety, fame, riches, bigger homes, better ministries, maybe, if you look inside the church, being able to have a position. I think it's being noticed, getting praised. Here's one of the things I've noticed in the church and how I've seen it creep in is this. Has has anybody ever prayed this prayer? Hey, God, use me. No one's dumb enough to pray that. Am I the only one? Okay, there we go. Yeah. God, just use me. Use me. I want to be used. And then all of a sudden, someone approaches you and says, hey, can you serve in the children's ministry? Yes. All right, God, you know, getting used. But then, after a month of serving, two months of serving, three months of serving, Pastor Ben, Pastor Katie, or whoever's over this ministry, that ministry, they didn't, they didn't notice you and didn't say, hey, good job. You're doing great. Months go by and you don't get that. So all of a sudden you get a little chip on your shoulder. And all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm sorry, I can't serve there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm busy this month. My friend, I'm busy for the next 30 years. Right? Okay, sir. And we come and we find out, like, what's going on? It's just like, well, I just felt like I was being used. <laughs> Didn't you pray, God use me? Yeah, well... I don't feel used by God, I feel used by you. I, I've had these conversations before. And I have to ask the question, well, who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for me or are you doing it for God? You didn't pray to Ben, hey, Ben, use me. You prayed to God, hey, God, use me. And God starts using you and then you feel used. Because here's why, if we actually boiled the prayer down to what we were actually really praying, we would have been praying this, God, make me noticed. 
God, make, make me noticed. Or maybe we were even praying, God, I, I want to be really great. I want to do something really great. And yet we feel used. But yet as I read the word today, I see that the recipe for getting noticed and the recipe for, for, for greatness is this, being used. Not by me, but by God. And, and here's the thing, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the applause of God than the applause of man any day. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be really, really great? Be a slave. Let's look at this real quickly. How much time do I got left? Someone's got to yell at me. I got five minutes? All right. I got eight minutes? Someone's robbing me in the front. Seven. I got... Someone said eight. Someone said five. Someone said seven. Who's got a really slow clock in here? We're going to go by yours. Seven. I got seven. Better listen to my wife. Oh, five. Four. Servant. We're going to have fun today. Servant. What does this mean? This is, this is the definition, the biblical definition. A person under obligation to serve a master who in turn would provide a measure of protection. This is the most common definition used 800 times in the Bible. A person under obligation to serve a master who in turn would provide a measure of protection. Uh, and here's the word picture it gives, a waiter of a meal. Someone who waits a table I'm serving, but I'm going to get something in exchange. You want to be great? Here's what you got to do. You've got to serve. But knowing as you serve, there's going to be something you get in exchange. And this is what we've realized. The action of the servant is to the benefit of the magnitude which he serves. Let me explain that. I was a valet for a long time. And we would valet different events. Or we'd valet a restaurant. And as a valet... Man, it was one thing for me to valet for the restaurant. But when we, and you know, I just did it, you know, and I get my paycheck and it's good. But man, one day we got a call that Bill Gates was throwing a party, true story. And they wanted our company to valet for it. Can I just tell you that all the valets were like, oh yeah, we're valeting for Bill Gates. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing his event. We're doing, we're doing his thing. Yeah. Oh you, got, oh, you guys are working at the restaurant tonight? Pfft, yeah, we're doing, we're doing Bill Gates, his private party. I'm still serving. I'm still valeting. I'm still doing the same, the same thing. But I'm doing, it for, I'm doing it for this guy. So the magnitude increases. It's like this. I mean, if, if, if I work at Chuck E. Cheese, no offense if you do, and I'm serving... At the four-year-old's birthday party, and kids are, like, throwing pizza at me, right? Anybody ever worked at Chuck E. Cheese, by the way? I am so sorry. But, and you're doing the birthday party, it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to be done. But then what happens when you get called upon, and you're serving at, oh, yeah, I'm doing the president of the United States. They, they called our catering company, and we're going we're gonna to cater that thing. Oh, you're working at Chuck E. Cheese tonight? Sorry. I'm doing the same action. The only thing that changes is who I'm doing it for. 
See, I can serve and I can have the, the definition or the idea, well, I'm serving Canvas Church, I'm serving the children's ministry, I'm, I, I'm serving on the worship team today, or I'm serving as a parking lot attendant, oh, I'm serving setting up signs today, oh, I'm serving this. And all of a sudden, after a while, you will begin to feel used. But if we change our perspective, we say, you know what, I'm serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. I'm serving Jesus Christ today. I'm serving in his house. Man, it is a privilege. I'd rather be a, a gatekeeper. Are you with me this morning? See, if you just change, same action, I'm still setting up a sign, but what's changed is I'm not doing it for Ben, I'm not doing it for Canvas Church, I'm, I'm doing it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because hopefully someone's going to see that sign turn in here today and give their heart to Jesus, because I set up this sign today. And the only thing that changed, I'm still setting up the sign the exact same way. Listen to me, yesterday, man, when we were here serving and painting posts, and we painted a lot of poetry, someone's pointing to Jesus right now. Oh, they're telling me I have one minute left, my bad. When we were over here painting and cleaning up, there was a part of me that, that, that said this to a couple people. Not a part of me. I said it, all right? I said, man, if those teachers walk onto campus and don't notice these posts, man, I'm going to be irritated. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit checked me and said, who are you doing it for? I said, the teachers? Are you kidding me? Because <laughs> they may never say anything, but if I change them, I'm still rolling the same way. I'm still stroking the same brush. But all of a sudden, my understanding is this, is you know what? I'm doing it for Jesus. If you want to be great, learn to serve. Learn to serve. I'd rather be noticed by God than noticed by men. You want to be great? Be a servant. You want to be great? Be a servant. Matter of fact, look for opportunities to serve. Don't wait for opportunities. To, oh, oh, okay, we're doing that, all right. No, you go look for opportunities to serve. You want to be great. Here's the recipe. Last one. You want to be great, be a slave. And I'll just sum this one up. This is what it means to be a slave. Now to what you two brothers are really asking. Here it is. You want to be the best of the best. This is what they're really asking. You want to be the best of the best? Because all, all, all of you guys here, you're serving right now. But what you're really asking, this is Jesus now, is you're asking to be the, the best of the best. Like you want to be above these guys. You, that, that's what you're really asking? Well, this is what you got to do. You want to be a great servant? You want to get the notoriety that you're really praying for? Here it is. Die to everything you want, desire, and are, and only do what God tells you to do. Um, I'm happy with servant. Because slave takes it to a different level. I've subjected everything I am, my whole person, to an alien authority, and I have no right or say in anything I'm doing right now. If they feed me, they feed me. I don't get that in return. If they protect me, they protect me. I don't get that in return. You want to be really great? Do this. Why? Band, you can come, because that way they'll stop looking at the clock. And... Why? Why did Jesus say this is how you become great? Why did Jesus see the brothers with their bad intentions and see the disciples and the rest of them getting so upset? They're literally arguing 
And I don't know how Jesus looked at him, but I feel like he probably looked at him with a little bit of grief, a little bit of a thought that this is petty. Because you can strive to obtain success here on earth, but when earth passes away, you can't take it with you. And so he draws them in. The Bible says he calls them all over. Teaching point. And I love the Bible because honestly, not every moment in it is this holy moment. But if you really read it for what it is, it's a bunch of people making mistakes and doing dumb stuff. Jesus enters the scene, uses it as a teaching moment so that you and I don't have to be dumb like that. Calls them all in. He says, hey, what you're striving for right now is the applause of men and the success of the world. But if you want to be great in my kingdom, his kingdom, serve, be a slave. Completely foreign. Why did he say that? Why did he, why did he put these things out there? James, excuse me, 1 Peter 2.12 And Matthew 5, 16, say this, that they'll see our good works and they'll glorify our Father who is in heaven. It all comes back to him and his kingdom. Serve, why? They'll see your good works, glorify me. Serve, why? Because they'll they'll see what you're doing and guess what? You won't get any of the recognition, but... Come on, they'll glorify my Father who is in heaven. No, nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, they're going to glorify me because of your super awesome spirituality. No, what the world is going to see is they're going to see some people painting some posts on a high school campus. What the world is going to see is they're going to see a church come together and and put on an amazing egg hunt for the community. What the world is going to see is they're going to see some some people walking around campus picking up guards. Oh, you the custodian? Nope. What are you doing? Just just serving. Just serving. Just serving. You know how we're going to reach people for Jesus Christ? dare I say it, is after you've read this, put it down, get up, get out, and go serve. I met a pastor not too long ago. I say, hey man, what are you doing to reach the community? Oh man, we are, we got this awesome thing going on. I was like, what is it? We are going to do a Bible study in a pub. I'm like, Cool. Yeah, man, we, we, we get in the pub, man. We'll have our beer in front of us, but we'll have our Bible there too, and we're just gonna be super culturally relevant. So if I show up and have water, I'm not? I mean, and I, I was like, that, that's what you're gonna do? Yeah, man, we're... Here's how Jesus said, to reach him. Serve, be a slave. Why? Because they'll see your good works and they'll glorify me. 
Listen to me. When the church does something and asks for nothing, people start to notice. When you do something and ask for nothing in return, the world starts to notice. We want to reach people for Jesus Christ? Be culturally relevant? Serve. Be a slave. Do everything you do as unto the Lord. Amen? Didn't quite finish at 11, but it's only five after. It's 25 minutes quicker. We're going to go serve. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Pastor, did you preach this message because it's beautification weekend? You're trying to get a bunch of people to stay after? No. But if you do, awesome. Holy Spirit laid this message on my heart a while ago. Because honestly, I think we waste so much time sometimes trying to be culturally relevant. When all we need to do is just say, you know what, I'm going to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve. How simple is that? I'm going to serve. And you don't have to wait for an event to serve. And you can find ways to serve every day. I mean, think about it. The thing is, banks do it. Banks, they do beach cleanup days. And guess what they get out of it? Maybe some marketing. I don't know. But it's not like, I mean, all of a sudden, everybody flocks to the bank and is like, woohoo! I'm opening an account with you. Companies do it. Is the church doing it? Man, those that were here yesterday, we had so much fun. Honestly. I think we did. I did. I hope you did. (laughs) I'm just looking for a little support. Like, There's so much more to do just on this campus alone that they don't have the funds to do or the manpower to do. Man, what if we just made it, what if we just put it as a part of Canvas Church? Every three months, man, we're gonna hit the school and we're gonna make it beautiful. Not so Canvas Church gets noticed, but so see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, amen? Amen. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to, to serve to serve. Something powerful is happening in our church. If you haven't been a part of First Sunday Nights yet, you got to come next Sunday night. Man, last, the last First Sunday we had was powerful. We're not only serving. Here's the thing. When we get our priorities straight and we, and we put God first, man, miracles start to happen. I, I'm getting emails and phone calls of miracles and God's doing something in a business idea that I've had for a long time and now it's coming into fruition. I got an email last night from Maria Ortiz who has had throat cancer multiple times. She's been praying for 12 years for an absolute complete healing. And they keep, keep checking for the markers in her blood. Well, she just emailed us last night and said, my prayer that I've been praying for the last 12 years has been answered. My body is completely free of cancer. My blood is completely free from cancer. There's no sign of it. No, nothing's there. That's the season our church is in. But listen to me. It's not going to be one or the other. We're going to keep walking in kingdom power and seeing the miracles of God happening in our church. But you know what? We're going to put our gloves on and we're going to serve the community. 
And then on Sundays, man, we're going to get into the Word of God and we're going to have a, a good Bible application. But listen to me, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not just in word, but it is in power. And I know there's one lady standing here and one husband standing here today that is so thankful that the kingdom of God doesn't just give us scriptures about how we can be healed, but manifests itself in our life and brings forth that miracle and that healing. Because the kingdom of God is not just in word, it's in power. But we're not going to be one or the other. Come on, we're going to be both end. And when it comes time to serve, we're going to serve like the best of them. And when it comes time to get in the word, man, we're going to get into the word. But when it comes time for the Holy Spirit to move in our services or in our community groups or in our life, man, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want more of you. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for the miracle report. Thank you for sound Bible doctrine. And thank you that we can roll up our sleeves and serve our community. And when people look at Canvas Church, they're not going to see a church tucked away in some corner just studying and just preaching, but they're going to see a church that has put feet to it and that's going to be serving in the community, but that's not going to stop there. They're going to come and they're going to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we move into September, God, your kingdom would come even in a more abundant way and your will be done. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.